Former FCC Chairman Newton Minow called the media a vast wasteland. Well, I submit it's far, far more than that. It's a battlefield for your mind. Mortar fire, cannon fire, grenades full of lies. And we're taking the losses. It's time for a night in this savage land. That used to be called a paladin. A defender of the good and honest against the onslaught. Well, we're TNN. The Truth News Network. And your paladin against the barrage is Dan Newman. Let me ask you a question. Is it just me, or does it seem like every day, they being whoever they are, I think you know who I'm probably referencing, people that are not conservatives, that hate conservatism, that hate democracy, even though they tell us every day that's what we conservatives want to do, destroy democracy. And, of course, those evil MAGA Republicans, they just wanted to destroy everything we have good. In spite of all of that, does it seem to you like nobody on the left has a grip on any type of reality? It seems like the only way they feel comfortable working within the confines of the nation and our laws, the only way they feel comfortable to do that is to destroy anyone and everyone who disagrees with them. Isn't it interesting that this nation was founded on the premise, we've got to walk back exactly 180 degrees from where we were when our forefathers brought this whole thing together and left Europe to come over here so we could have freedom, equality, equal opportunity, and everybody controls their own minds and thoughts and what they want to pursue with their lives without government intervention. Oh my gosh, can you imagine living in a world today without government intervention? It's gotten so bad now, it seems like whenever we want to go to the bathroom, if we're in public, we've got to raise our hand and sit still until the teacher tells us it's okay to go use the restroom. Yeah, that may that may be a bit extreme, but extreme is a good word to use to describe the government of the United States of America right now. Just think about the issues that they argue and the ones that they don't even want to pick up. The ones they want to argue, mostly trivial, don't really mean a thing. And even if they do pick it up and want to talk about it, we all feel like, hey, they're not really getting into the meat of this. They just want to look good and make us think that they're doing the right stuff, taking care of us. Therefore, they just slide on down that line to the point where they say, look, don't worry about all this stuff. We got this. Just vote for us. Everybody on the left, you vote for us, all you people on the right. We know what's better for you than you do, and we're going to take care of you. Trust us. Just trust us. How many times have you heard things like that and you just shake your head and say, there's no way I'm going to trust you. I don't need you in the equation of my life. Just follow the law. You know that thing that you swore an oath to when you were elected or when you were appointed to a government position? You do that. That's your job. My job? 
to make the best possible life for my family, for me, and others that I love. And just stay out of the way and let me do, within the law, everything I feel is best for me and best for my family. Good morning, everybody. Wow, we started a Friday show on a negative basis, and I'm always on top of the world on Friday. (laughs) How's your week going so far? If it's not really good, you still got today and tomorrow to make it right. So we're going to do a little bit of that together today. And we have a special surprise for you. Steve Baker, our Tuesday journalist that joins us every week, couldn't this week. He's going to be here in our second hour this morning. So he's leaving the light He's come to know
come with that song Gladys Knight and the Pips you remember the Pips I don't know how they got that name but that kind of song epitomized what uh, Gladys Knight did in her amazing musical career and that's that's not really melancholy music Um, I thought for a second I wasn't going to say this but I'm going to say it that's belly rubbing music you know you're holding your sweetheart tight on the dance floor whispering in her or his ear. You remember those days? Yeah, it's a long time back in my memory. <laughs> when you get to be 70, you you still think you're younger than you really are. And, oh, yeah, I could do that again. Uh-uh. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. Well, good morning. If you just joined us, we've got a full show today. Steve Baker, who normally is here on every Tuesday with us in our second hour, He couldn't be because he was in Washington, D.C. in the midst of a trial, covering a trial regarding January 6th. But uh, he reached out to me yesterday and said, hey, I'm back available. You want to do something tomorrow, meaning today? And I said, heck yeah. Boy, there are many, many things that we need to turn to him to get some answers on. There's a debacle or two or three that are happening every day. So he's going to join us at the top of our second hour. Between now and then, let's get some stuff that's really important out of the way. We want to make sure we touch it so that you know about it if you don't already. And if you already know about it, maybe weigh in on our thoughts. And I guess maybe one of the big things is Joe Manchin, West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin. He has been thought to maybe be considering throwing his hat in the ring to run for president in some other party other than Republican or Democrat. And he's out on the stump now talking to every news agency that he can get to have him on the show about what we need in our next president. He was on uh, Fox News yesterday, and he shared some things I thought I'd share with you. He was asked about everything and anything to do. Brett Baer had him on. Brett Bear is a real, real journalist. He really is, and he does great interviews. Manchin told Brett Bear that he, Joe Manchin, has little confidence in either Donald Trump or Joe Biden, and he warned of consequences. Now, this is Manchin talking about Donald Trump. Manchin said there are dire consequences if Trump were to win a second term. I'm going to quote him here. Well, first of all, he said, we don't know on Super Tuesday who the two candidates may be on the Democrat and the Republican side. But right now, I guess all odds are they'll be Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And I'm as honest as I can be with you, Brett. 
I believe that Donald Trump being elected again would destroy democracy as we know it. I'm concerned, he said. I'm very scared because he's already said what he would do. He's going to use the power of the office for revenge. He's going to basically, he doesn't believe that, the only election, what he believes is the only fair election is the one that he won. And he doesn't believe in the rule of law to where the law only pertains to everybody but him. It's a horrible situation, he continued. And this is Joe Manchin, senator from West Virginia. I'm scared of that, he said. That would destroy our country as I know it. And Joe Biden is not the person when he came there saying, I know how it works. I can bring the country together. I'm a centrist. Well, he's pulled clear far to the left. So let's see what happens. Will anybody change? I don't know. Will the rhetoric change? But if we don't mobilize the moderate, sensible, what we're going to call them, the radical middle, okay, the radical middle. Those are people that make common sense decisions, that run their life, that run their family, that run their businesses from the center left, center right, not from the extremes. And that's what's happened here, he added. And the business in Washington is too darn good. The Republican business and the Democrat business is pretty darn good here. And they're not going to change their model. So, unless we push it, it's not going to, nothing will change. Now, I read that verbatim because he is going to be misquoted. In fact, there are already news media outlets on the air misquoting the things that he said. They're reporting the perspective that they are using, and you can imagine, is Joe Manchin hates Donald Trump. And if Trump would get elected, it would destroy the United States, the democracy. I don't know about you, but I am sick and tired of people yahooing about Donald Trump destroying democracy. Give me one example of something he did in his four years as president. Anything. I don't care what it is. Tell me one thing that he did that indicates he would not fully support democracy as we have known it for 240 years in the U.S., I don't know of a single thing. In fact, the opposite, the direct opposite, is true. He's the only one that I can remember in recent history where everything he did, without exception, pulled people together, didn't marginalize anybody at all, no matter what your political affiliation was. He welcomed everybody to the game. And you were going to play. If you wanted to play in the game, you were going to have an opportunity, just like everyone else. That's what Donald Trump was about and still is. And yet these leftists, and just because of the things you just heard Joe Manchin say yesterday to Brett Baer, just because of that, it proves to me Joe Manchin wants to play their game. He wants to play their game using their rules. And their rules begin with, you've got to diminish anybody that goes up against you in any way. 
It doesn't matter what their party affiliation is, what office they're holding now, what they look like, what they've done doesn't matter. If they don't support us, lock, stock, and barrel today, we've got to paint them as being the radical extremists, those MAGA Republicans. I don't know anybody. Maybe Steve Baker is. We'll ask him next hour. I don't know many people that are more conservative than I am. And they label me. People that know this show, they don't know all of the background things about me and where I am in my life and what I've done. They don't know if I'm positive, negative. They don't know if I'm a Republican, a Democrat, independent, whatever, and they don't even care. All that matters when they look at you is what they, in their own opinion, forget about facts, what they feel they need to paint you to diminish you in every way possible so that nobody will listen to a thing that you said, or if they listen to it, they're just going to diminish it as coming from Dan Newman's a MAGA, evil MAGA extremist. I'm a registered independent, by the way. So I can say I'm not a member of any political party, and that's true. But I am legally registered in Louisiana as an independent. Why do I do that? If you come here, any at all, if you've been, this is your first day to listen, know this. Everything in this show points at facts, points at truth. And we do our best to keep the emotional out of everything we do. We try to go right to the heart of every matter and give people facts. We trust you. I trust that you, and don't think I'm naive. Steve Baker and I laugh about it almost every time he comes. There's hardly been a show in the last year where Steve's been on the show, and we weren't being monitored by the Biden administration. We laugh about it on air. We have the ability during the live show here to monitor the IP addresses, locations of people that log into the show live. Now, it's page after page, but it doesn't tell me who the person is or where address or anything where they're listening from, but it tells me what state and what city they're listening from or what country they're listening from. And every time Steve comes on the show on a Tuesday, he's going to be here next hour, I told you, and watch. This won't happen today because this was a late-night-last-night decision that Steve and I both made for him to come on. But I can look over at the list, the pages of IP addresses of computers and phones where people are listening in live. And there's always two from Langley, Virginia. That's the headquarters for the CIA. Now, that doesn't mean the CIA is monitoring me. It means they're monitoring Steve Baker. He makes a lot more in the way of ripples in the water, the big pond, we call it the Potomac River in Washington, D.C., far more rippling by Steve than by Dan. So what are your thoughts about Joe Biden? I'm going to stop right here. Not Joe Biden, Joe Manchin. Please, Senator, forgive me for throwing you in the same place as Joe Biden. We're going to stop right here because I want Steve to come back at the top of the next hour and get his opinions on Joe Manchin and some of the stuff that he said. 
More news going on on the investigations about misuse of classified documents. This one frosted me when I heard it come out yesterday. You know, we haven't heard anything since we were told months ago that Merrick Garland, Attorney General, had appointed a special counsel to investigate Joe Biden's misuse of classified documents. And just a little bit of a refresher about that. He had 1,800 boxes, Joe Biden, 1,800 boxes of classified documents that were scattered around at least four different geographical locations. Well, what kind of documents were they? Nobody told us. The special counsel has never set foot anywhere close to a TV camera or a microphone since he was appointed that day. We've heard nothing about what he's investigating, nothing about who he's investigating until yesterday. Now, put that in the context of the investigation that has been very publicly ongoing into the orange man's atrocious abuse of the office of the presidency. And he had classified documents at his private residence in Mar-a-Lago in Florida. They stormed Mar-a-Lago, they being the FBI, early in the morning or late at night, I forget which, it was dark. But they just stormed the place, made a huge spectacle out of what they were doing. And if you stop there, just stop at what I just told you. Joe Biden had 1,800 boxes of classified documents in his possession. And Donald Trump had thousands, but not nearly 1,800 boxes at Mar-a-Lago. If you stop right there, Joe Biden has never been president until 2020, 2021 when he took the oath of office right. There are two different versions of handling classified documents, two different sets of rules. One for a current and former president, and then there's one for everybody else. So what's the difference? Well, a president has the unilateral right to determine what a document is, classified or otherwise. Every president can do it. Every president has unfettered rights to have, to see, to look at, to pass along classified documents at their own absolute discretion. There is no written laws for a president's treatment of classified documents. Now flip it over to Joe Biden and his investigation that we're telling you about now. What's the difference there? No current or former vice president has unfettered law to keep classified documents, period. And those 1,800 boxes of classified documents, we are told the special counsel investigated regarding Joe Biden, none of those were handled by a president, Joe Biden. They were handled by both the vice president, Joe Biden, and Senator, U.S. Senator Joe Biden in his career. And we all know the obvious of 
comparisons of what Joe Biden did with his treasure trove of documents. He gave some to his old university, Delaware, gave some to some other people, had them at the University of Penn in an office there, at least four locations, may have been five. But the ones that just blew everybody's mind across the globe were the ones he kept at his house in his garage, that very special garage where he parks his car vet. And it stays open all the time. The garage does. So what's the word coming out about that special counsel investigation by Robert Hur about Biden's handling of classified documents? Hur, we are told, is expected to prepare a report with harsh criticism. His words, harsh criticism of how Biden and his aides handled those classified documents, but we're told his investigation is not expected to result in any criminal charges. Now, this slipped out yesterday, this information, and that alone, you know as well as I do, when CNN slips something into the news, that's where this came from yesterday. When that happens and it's phrased as probably no charges coming, that means they're not going to charge him for anything, and they threw out a soft balloon, kind of slip it into the public purview quietly, and maybe in the next two weeks or so, they'll announce it. Hey, guess what? Joe Biden, according to the special counsel, did not violate any classified document use laws. And there are a plethora of the violations that Joe did. And they all begin with, he had no permission, no legal purpose, no legal way to take one classified document away from where it was, especially not 1,800 boxes. The special counsel, her and his team, told officials at the DOJ they hope for the report to be completed towards the end of this year. And his investigation began in January this year when Attorney General Merrick Garland appointed him. President Biden and roughly 100 of his aides have been interviewed as part of the investigation. Not a word has leaked out about any conversations, anything brought forward, anything that was discussed by the special counsel and roughly 100 of Biden's aides. Biden's embattled son, Hunter, we're told, was among those interviewed by her's team. Hunter Biden was indicted in September on three federal gun charges, pleaded not guilty at an arraignment on October the 3rd. This is all running simultaneously, side by side. Counsel Her also spoke to Secretary of State Tony Blinken, former Biden White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain, and National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. The House Oversight Committee wrote a letter to her in October requesting information on whether Biden possessed classified documents related to his son's foreign business dealings. Now, that's going to open Pandora's box because this oversight committee in the House of Representatives that's looking into all of the wrongdoing by Hunter Biden as it pertains to the president, they're not going to stop right here. 
if her really is going to just close the door and let Biden go free, guess what that will do? It will open up to the oversight committee in the House their ability to get the documents, the classified documents that were in Joe Biden's possession, any of those 1,800 boxes, and examine them to see if there are any ties between Joe Biden, when he was vice president, when he was senator, but specifically when he was vice president for eight years under Barack Obama, and see if there are any ties to foreign entities that we now know Hunter Biden and even Joe Biden were interchanging information and meetings and certainly letters and documents. Well, we're going to find out that committee will what it was. Isn't it interesting how they roll this news out late in the week? You know, when the news cycle kind of calms down. Well, we've got a big deal that's going on. It blew up in the media worldwide yesterday, and it has to do with Osama bin Laden, the author of the 9-11 attacks, the tipping over, blowing up, whatever you want to call it, the Twin Towers went went down and 2,900 Americans died in that event. That was in 2001. Think about that. Can you believe that's 22 years ago? probably the most heinous thing that has happened here in the United States. And it was authored, put together by Osama bin Laden. TikTok influencers, TikTok, that Chinese-centric social media network that we don't even, we don't allow anybody in our family to access it. If they get something and it takes, it's got a link in it that will take you to TikTok, we don't allow it in our computer system at TNN Live. We just don't do it because there are ties. There is proof abundant that TikTok is a funnel for personal information, corporate information from people that use TikTok. Anyway, a bunch of, as of yesterday, TikTok influences are experiencing an existential crisis after they read Osama bin Laden's post-9-11 letter to America. Now, in that letter, bin Laden, probably the most radical terrorist in history, attempted to justify al-Qaeda's attacks against the U.S. Now, I thought about this. It uh, That letter to America by bin Laden had been on, online for years. But when all this hoo-ha started, every one of these sites that carried it so you could read it, look at it, download it, copy it, whatever, they pulled it down. But I have one that I've had for a while. And nobody else in media the last two days has wanted to give the people, their listeners, their viewers, give them access to that document. I'm going to read you part of it right now, and then I'm going to post it on our website, truthnewsnet.org, and you can look at it, download it from there, use it however you want to. It starts this way, In the name of God, the compassionate, the merciful, to the American people, peace be upon those who follow the righteous track. Hereafter, the subject of my talk to you is the overwhelming control 
of capital money. That's C-A-P-I-T-A-L. And its effect on the ongoing war between us. I direct my talk specifically to those who support real change, especially the youth. I say from the onset, your former president warned you previously about the devastating Jewish control of capital and about a day that would come when it would enslave you. It has happened. Your current president warns you now about the enormity of capital control and it has a cycle whereby it devours humanity when it is is devoid of the precepts of God's law. And he's speaking of God being Allah and the law being Sharia law. The tyranny of the control of capital by large companies has harmed your economy as it did ours. And that was my motivation for this talk. Tens of millions of you are below the poverty level. Millions have lost their homes. Millions have lost their jobs to mark the highest average unemployment in 60 years. Your financial system in its totality was about to collapse within 48 hours had not the administration reverted to using taxpayers' money to rescue the vultures by using the assets of the victims. As for us, our Iraq was invaded in response to pressure from capitalists with greed for black gold. And you continue to support the oppressive Israelis in their occupation of our Palestine in response to pressures on your administration by a Jewish lobby backed by enormous financial capabilities. An observer of the policies of the new administration realizes that the change is tactical and not strategic. It does not at all agree with the changes you seek. There are very many indicators of this, especially concerning important matters related to your security and economy, particularly the ongoing war between us. The previous administration was successful in implicating you in these wars against us under the premise that they are necessary for your security or, according to the promise, that it would be short and would finish in six days or six weeks. Six years has passed. And that administration is gone without realizing any victory. The man calling for change promised you victory in Afghanistan and set a time for withdrawal. Before the end of the set time, Petraeus, from the previous administration, came and asked for an extension of six more months. If it was the six-day war that started my President Bush, by President Bush, and six years have not been enough to finish it, then the wise man should question how long would a six-month war take and whether you're able to fund a war that requires a large amount of money that weakens your economy and your dollar. For Obama to leave one-third of the soldiers in Iraq and the statements from his administration about this, especially from Adorno, about the possibility of Obama's ordering the return of the forces he took out of Iraq, It would have been better for him had he disagreed with the ethics of the previous administration and adopted the truth as a friend and told you that he will not withdraw from Iraq, which may not serve the U.S. interest, but it is in the interest of the larger corporations. The course of the policies of the present administration in several areas clearly reveals that whoever enters the White House, even with good intentions to safeguard the people's interests, 
is no more than a train operator. His only task is to keep the train on the tracks that are laid down by the lobbyists in New York and Washington to serve their interests first, even if it is counter to your security and economy. Any president who tries to move the train from the lobbyist tracks to a track for the American people's interests will confront very strong opposition and pressures from the lobbyists. Your president described the decision by the court in favor of corporations to intervene in the political arena as a victory, but it is not a victory for the American people, except for the big corporations. There is no doubt about it that it is a right, and it is also a right for the administration to support the killing of our brothers, marking a victory for the Jewish lobby. The president was not able to defend you against the security and economic loss, the way for change and freeing yourselves from the pressure of lobbyists is not through the Republican or the Democratic parties, but through undertaking a great revolution for freedom, not to free Iraq from Saddam Hussein, but to free the White House and to free Barack Hussein so he can implement the change you seek. It does not only include improvement of your economic situation and ensure your security, but more importantly, helps him in making a rational decision to save humanity from the harmful greenhouse gases that threaten its destiny. For the American youth to succeed in this change, they need to relive the history of their ancestors and the conditions in their country more than two centuries ago. They need to understand the similarities during that era and their present situation, especially in their fundamental conditions. The British Parliament sided with corporations, then against the interest of the citizens. You've noticed the Congresses stand with corporations against the people's interest when they refuse to legislate against interference in the elections by corporations. The British military governor in the United States used to have the right to appoint judges and mayors. Similarly, the corruption is deep-rooted now in all higher authorities, thus giving authorities over these offices to corporations. Subsequently, the higher court adjudicated their support of political financing by corporations under such circumstances. Now let me pause for a second. For those of you that just joined in, this is the verbiage from the letter to America that allegedly was penned and created after the Twin Towers fell on 9-11. And this letter was written by Osama bin Laden. Let's continue. You're in need of people like Thomas Paine to publish books pointing out the similarities between the two phases, and that will have a similar effect. You also are in need of men with courage and initiative like those of your forefathers at the time when they refused to allow one company to harm the interest of the United States, a company that had a monopoly on tea and its prices. Yet there's now many companies that endanger the United States economy, which continues to be the vulnerable to collapse, and they also formulate the policies of the White House. They threw hundreds of thousands of soldiers against us and have formed an alliance with the Israelis to oppress us and occupy our land. 
That was a reason for our response on the 11th. Palestine has been under occupation for decades. None of your presidents talked about it until after September 11, when Bush realized that your oppression and the tyranny against us were part of the reason for the attack. Then he talked about the necessity for two states. Obama's trying to address the issue with the same solutions suggested by his predecessor. They are quilting fruitless solutions. Not of concern to us. If you want a real settlement that guarantees your security in your country and safeguards your economy from being depleted in a manner similar to our war of attrition against the Soviet Union, then you have to implement a roadmap that returns the Palestine land to us, all of it, from the sea to the river. It is an Islamic land, not subject to being traded or granted to any party. In conclusion, Obama said, be assured that we do not fight for mere killing, but to stop the killing of our people. It is a sin to kill a person without proper justifiable cause, but terminating his killer is a right. You should be aware that justice is the strongest army and security offers the best livelihood. You lost it by your own making when you supported the Israelis in occupying our land and killing our brothers in Palestine. The road to safety starts with the stopping of aggression. Palestine shall not be seen captive, for we will try to break its shackles. The United States shall pay for its arrogance with the blood of Christians and their funds. Peace be upon those who follow the righteous track. Osama bin Laden. Now, you've heard it. You heard it verbatim. I've not heard another outlet that will actually put this out there for their consumers, their listeners, uh, their viewers, to know exactly what's in this letter. But listen to what's happening because of TikTok. This influencer, TikTok influencer, said this. I need everyone to stop what they're doing right now and go read. It's literally two pages. Go read a letter to America. This pro-Palestine influencer's name is Lynette Atkins. She urged more than 175,000 TikTok followers. Please come back here and just let me know what you think because I feel like I'm going through like an existential crisis right now and a lot of people are. So I just need someone else to feel this. Her video promptly went viral, more than 800,000, and it's even more than that now have viewed Atkins' plea with more than 80,000 TikTokers hitting the like button. And it went viral, so much so, it's over 2 million, and TikTok pulled it down. Don't know why. But it is what it is. They pulled it down. Maybe, just maybe, that gives you a glimpse into the mindset that Osama bin Laden had when he put together that plan to knock down the Twin Towers. There are so many conspiracy theories out there about what happened, who was involved, how was it perpetrated, what were the purposes, what was the end game that they were trying to reach, 
And was it really Osama bin Laden that did it? All of that will continue to roll over and over and over throughout history. I mean, look back at 1962. Who really killed John F. Kennedy in Dallas, Texas? We're still dealing with that, still looking for answers. And so the one thing I want to point out is the timing of this letter being released and discussed and who it targeted. Very young Americans, most of who weren't alive on 9-11. And so they've only heard stories. And so Bin Laden, he was not a stupid man. He was not a peasant either. He was filthy rich with that evil black gold His family was filthy rich because of oil in the Middle East. He didn't bother to mention that in that letter he wrote to our young people, did he? Manipulation of thought. It's an age-old method that has been used since people have been alive to seek and gain control of what others think. Seldom do they use the truth. Now, put that in the context of what's going on right now. What's going on right now in the Middle East? Who's responsible for what's going on? You do realize there's only one thing that matters in this war between uh, Hamas and Israel to even know what's going on and why and who's doing it. And it's this. In the wee hours of the morning on October 7th, Saturday, Gaza saw a host of of their big-time bosses in Hamas creep across the border into Israel unprovoked in the most horrendous ways possible. They slaughtered in one day 1,400 Jewish people. You know what for? For being Jewish. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance, and people love it. Of course, they love the savings they're going to get with Geico, but it goes beyond that. You deserve to save. <laughs> Heard that before. You deserve to save. I know. I need you to hear me. You deserve to save. I deserve to save. I mean, he has a way of making you feel seen. Bundle car and motorcycle insurance and save at geico.com. Believe in the power of friendship. Really? You guys are good. <laughs> Movies right when you want them. Watch unlimited movies instantly for only nine bucks a month from Netflix. That's so cute, it's stupid. This is your home. This is your family room slash gym. The guest bedroom slash music studio. The day bed slash dog bed. The living room slash yoga shanti slash regional office. How did you guys do it? Slash classroom. And this is the basement slash panic room. Maybe what your family needs is a vacation home slash vacation home. Find yours on the Verbo app. Does it matter to you that all our chefs are well-trained? Or that our kitchens are both SLSI and GMP certified? That we freshly bake goodies throughout the day? Well, it matters to us to know that your family will enjoy every bite. At Keel's, We're fresh because of what we do. But more than that, 
We're fresh because of you. Saying it out loud. No spin. Only the truth. Again, Dan Newman. In my lifetime, I was born in 1953. I became cognizant of the world probably like you, three, four years old, and just began to absorb my environment where I was. At that time, I lived in uh, Lafayette, Louisiana. We moved there from Houston, where that's where I was born. But we all lock in on our circumstances, our environment where we live, the people we live around, the people in our families. That's just the way it happens. And so we make all of our opinions, they're created principally by our environment. And that means the locations, the things right around us, those that we're interfacing with every day. In the case of a four or five-year-old, it's parents, friends, teachers, people like that, relatives. And that's just the way that life works, biologically, psychologically, mentally, and emotionally for all of us, everybody on earth. And I said that to say this. It just was automatic for me. I thought it was cool that every year so many people were born in the United States. And I tried to kind of keep up with last year's Americans, the numbers of Americans, and compare them to the new year when it comes out. And every year since then, every year since then, the U.S. population has grown. That's not the case anymore. Since Joe Biden took office back in 2021, there have been about 6.5 million illegals encountered at the southern border with more what we call gotaways, estimates knowing that those were people that were identified as coming across the southern border, but we never got them physically in our arms. The total of those with the 6.5 million that we know about went up over 8 million. 8 million illegals encountered at the U.S. border since Biden took office in 2021, January. 8 million. Millions of those that have been encountered at the nation's borders have been directly released into American communities by the DHS thanks to the Biden administration's expansive catch and release network. These are catastrophic numbers across the board. I want to make this very clear to Secretary Mayorkas. Accountability is coming. So some estimates from June suggest that nearly 17 million illegal aliens now reside across the U.S. And that cost American taxpayers $163 billion a year. This amount, though, does not factor in the higher cost of housing, unpaid hospital bills, lower wages, and lost jobs that Americans are on the hook for as a result of illegal immigration. So what does that mean about our population growth? There hasn't been. There are fewer Americans, Native Americans, legally naturalized American immigrants. There are fewer today than there were in 2020. Our population is decreasing. 
Now, the numbers of people here has gone up. You know why? All of the illegals that the Biden administration from top to bottom have waved into the United States in total disregard of what the laws say, from the Constitution to state laws to other federal laws and even local laws. The Biden administration doesn't give a rip. That's very obvious. And all of these actions by these politicians, three of them appearing in Congress yesterday, the head of Department of Health and Human Services, Javier Becerra, the head of Department of Homeland Security, that would be Alejandro Mayorkas, and Christopher Ray, FBI director. And every time they come before Congress, they're asked the same questions. Why? What? And every time the three of them come before Congress, they typically, in the large part, they'll say this when they're asked a very specific question from one of the questioners that serve as uh, people on these committees from Congress. I don't have that number at the top of my head, but I'll get that number. I'll have my people send it to you, Congressman, Congresswoman. The only fact that we know, it's uncontroverted. Any one of these 17 million people, anyone and every one of them, when they step across the border, they're committing a federal law break. It's a criminal act federal criminal act and you add to that what doubles it up is that the person that allowed it to happen on their watch by not enforcing laws that person is violating federal law and committing a federal felonious law at the same time two people so you do the numbers you have over 17 million illegals here Who let them in? Well, Joe Biden. He let them in. Well, how can you say that? He didn't open the gate and let them in. Well, not literally, but actually, factually, that's exactly what happened. He told his minions, those two other, the three other ones I told you about, he told them to just back off and don't enforce the federal laws. Just let those people come in. If it was just letting them in, that would be one thing. But you heard the numbers I gave you. That cost the American people. It's not cheap either. $163 billion a year. That's the direct cost. And then, as I told you a minute ago, that doesn't factor in the higher cost of housing, unpaid hospital bills, lower wages, and lost jobs. Let me give you a concept of what that means. I've been in the healthcare business in my other life for 30 plus years. And we work directly hand to hand with uh, healthcare professionals across the nation. Those are doctors, clinics, hospitals, you name it. We handle all of that. The most egregious part in my thought regarding the dollars this is costing American taxpayers is this. If somebody walks into a hospital anywhere in the United States, an emergency room anywhere in the United States, they have to be treated by law. And any hospital, any doctor that turns them away just because they don't want to deal with them because they know they're not going to pay the hospital bill 
if they turn them away, they're violating federal law and they can lose their licenses. The hospital, the doctors, everybody can lose their license for doing so. So that $163 billion annually, we said, just that one thing, unpaid hospital bills, more than doubles that. We're getting close to the T number, folks. Trillion. We're getting close to that number. We're going to take a break in just a minute. But right after that, our buddy Steve Baker's here with us. Uh, He comes every Tuesday, this past Tuesday. He was in the midst of covering a trial in Washington, D.C. And he couldn't join us. So he called me yesterday and said, hey, I'm available tomorrow, Friday, which is today. Do you want to bring me on on Friday? And I said, yes. So he'll be here in just a few minutes. Sit tight. But I wanted you to hear something that it came out a couple of days ago. Megan Kelly, one of my favorites, she has a way of uh, reporting on some things and doing it in a real brief but very concise fashion. She talked about a missed opportunity. Listen to this. I believe Governor Ron DeSantis is America's greatest governor. We've talked about that before, Megan. What a missed opportunity for Ron DeSantis not to do this in his opening statement. First question was to Ron DeSantis, and I'll be honest, he gave a canned political answer that made me roll my eyes. You know, gas prices are too high and people aren't. I said, forget it. Where's the kind of alpha male? Stop it. Where's the kind of uh, Fauci is awful and he used to fight with reporters. Ron DeSantis should have been like, are you ashamed of yourself, Lester Holt? Like you hate us. Why are you here? <laughs> right? Like why? Like why are you here? Like you've attacked. Like that's the alpha Ron DeSantis we want. Instead, it's well, you know, people are real, and I feel your pain. It was like this fake Bill Clinton thing. And Vivek Ramaswamy, to his credit, read the room and he took the low hanging fruit. What they were just addressing was something that I've noticed that's happened in every one of these presidential debates. Ron DeSantis, he fashions himself as being an in-your-face kind of political leader. And regarding most of the issues that come up in Florida, where he is the governor, he handles them that way. But every time he gets pinned in a corner in these debates, he it's like he softens down a little bit. Maybe he doesn't want people out there to think that he's not sensitive, that he doesn't really care And so he misses a lot of opportunities where he could pretty easily score some big points in these debates. But he just softens it. He doesn't really go for the juggler. Now, maybe that's purposeful. I don't think it is. I think he's intimidated by what's going on in his life right now. And who wouldn't be? I mean, this political atmosphere, I've never seen it this nasty and it's been nasty pretty much forever. Remember, two of our founders got in a, a a battle, a gun battle over disagreements, and one of them shot the other one, and he died. Politics can be a dirty business, no question about it. But just maybe, just maybe this may be the reason that DeSantis' support among Americans continues to tumble. At the state level in Texas, which is a pretty significant state in any political uh, election, his approval rating there is now less than 1%. Less than 1% of Texans voters support Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in the upcoming presidential election. I think we're close to being 
unsavable. That term for Ron DeSantis. Take a break. Steve Baker on the other side. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents a word from your wallet. Are we at the gas station? Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. (laughs) Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. Get cracking and feel unbeatable with new omelet bites from Dunkin'. Bacon and cheddar or egg white and veggie. Made with cage-free eggs and packed with protein. Take on the day with new omelet bites from Dunkin'. America runs on Dunkin'. When playing football, you run up to 120 pitches. You work out 650 muscles. You withstand three times your body weight. You treble your adrenaline production. You raise your heartbeat to 180 times per minute. And in the end, you lose up to three liters of sweat for one goal. This game is not a game. I'll take a Coke. Is Pepsi okay? Is Pepsi okay? Is Pepsi okay? Ow! Are puppies okay? Is a shooting star okay? Is the laughter of a small child okay? Um, Are you with me? You seem confused. Let's role play. Now. Uh, okay, I'm Steve. I'm an actor. No, no, and... no. Just order something. Uh, I'll have... You will have a nice cold glass of the best thing you ever tasted. Okay? Okay. I think you might be just saying it wrong. You gotta say it with pride. Okay? Okay. Oh, yeah. Kind of. Pepsi's more than okay. It's... Okay! Okay, what have we learned today? You want a Pepsi? I want a Pepsi. She wants a Pepsi. There you go. Okay! Like a little John. I've got to come up with my own catchphrase. Okay! The Truth and Dan Newman goes together like beans and rice, brats and kraut, you and the future. TNN, the Truth News Network. Hey, I hadn't said this yet. I want to thank you for um, voluntarily ending your week with us at TNN Live. We appreciate you being here every day. And many of you, most of you, do check in every day. And, of course, if you miss a show you know that you can go grab it from any one of your favorite podcast hosting sites. That way you can download it. You can keep a catalog of every TNN Live show if you want to. But we want to thank you for that. We also want to welcome and be very gracious and thankful to our Tuesday regular contributor, Steve Baker. He's just a few days late this week. Good morning, sir. Hey, good morning, Dan. How are you? I am good. What part of the world do we find you in today? I just got back home late last night from uh, the the wonderful uh, swamp of D.C. after being there for two weeks. Does it take a while to get that off of you? Bunch of different showers? (laughs) Wash it away? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I had to to get uh, 
uh, decontaminated last night when I first got home. <laughs> yeah, I talked to you in the middle of the decontamination. Uh, you know what I mean. <laughs> right, 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 the right. decontamination <laughs> festival that you were having. Hey, listen, right, right, obviously right. you you don't have your equipment set up because you're uh, we're hearing you on your telephone and we're accustomed yes, we're sorry. accustomed to your rich, deep bass voice when you talk. But yeah. hey, listen, having you here is it's always good for us. And you bring a different perspective because you have a different set of circumstances than do any of us. But we do have a lot in common, and that is the world's going to hell in a handbasket in D.C. and North Carolina just like it is in Shreveport, Louisiana. And just when you think it's loaded up and there's nothing else that can happen, something else happens. How do you analyze this whole scenario, the landscape of all of the uncertainty, the breaking of laws indiscriminately, um, the use of the American people with no even idea of saying, hey, maybe we ought to rethink this thing. They use all of our resources, they being the government, and they tell us what to do, and benignly, they just expect us to do whatever they want to do, and don't you dare disagree. What right. do you think is really right. going on behind the scenes? Uh, there's no doubt in my mind what's going on, Dan. I mean, this this is this is the um, the change of the world, the uh, remaking, the reimagining of uh, all of our systems, all of our uh, agencies, all of our institutions, as they say. Um, everything, everything is changing right now and it's, and it's happening at a breakneck speed because of a couple of reasons. I mean, it's, it's easy, it's easy to say that technology is facilitating a lot of this, but, it, but and in fact, that it is what's happening. But in addition to that, uh, you have, um, uh, what happened to us four years ago, which, you know, it's almost four years ago now that, uh, COVID was unleashed. kicked off a, an accelerated move to bring about you know this thing that is generally re- regarded and uh, referred to as the great reset or the new world order however you want to refer to it uh, so some some of us might even say the last days <laughs> but the point being is is that we are in an accelerated decline at this moment and and it's purposeful it's engineered and um, and it's and it's affecting every single aspect of our lives let me ask you a personal question. As the people that are listening into this show this morning, as they are looking for answers, and everybody, me and you included, we're looking for answers. Every one of these unquestionable questions that comes up or is thrown our way, we're always asking why, who, what, what. We're trying to get answers, and nobody's out there giving them. And if you do... You're labeled a conspiracy theorist, and they try to marginalize you so nobody else will listen to anything that you have to say. Just a moment ago, I gave some new numbers, and for the first time in American history last year, our population declined in the United States. More people died than babies were born. That's part of this process. What the heck is going on with that? Well, it's not, it's not just that more people died. We also had, for the first time in the last, I think it started a couple of years ago, our, our actual, um, uh, what do they call it, the 
age that we live to, you know, uh, regardless of whether you're a male or a female, our, our longevity numbers as an average declined. And that had been, that had been uh, going up for, oh gosh, Dan, it, it's been 80 years, yeah. 70, 80 yeah. years Long since time, the 1930s. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and that actually reversed as well. Now, some people would immediately say, okay, that's, that's a, the result of COVID. And, and in fact, it is, but it's not just that. There are so many other factors uh, involved with that as it relates to our longevity. And, and there's no other way to say it except to, you, you have to watch what the insurance companies are recording. And when I say the insurance companies, the life insurance companies, nobody is better at math. Nobody is better at numbers than our life insurance companies. They are the best. And that's why they call them actuaries. Those actuaries, they know what, when, and how you're going to die <laughs> as an average. And they, they've got it down to a science, down to the day. And they are reporting now that they are seeing a much, much uh, higher rate of all-cause mortality across the board since COVID. And this is not just um, U.S. insurance companies. This is happening all over the world. And, of course, that doesn't exist in a vacuum. It sucks all no. kinds of other stuff into it. Disease is up. Uh, mental disease is up rapidly. We have lawlessness everywhere we we look around us. Uh, we did, did a story. We updated the statistics the other day from the Texas Department of Public Safety about the crimes committed specifically by illegals. And there are several yeah. thousand Texans that were murdered by illegals yeah. over the past few years. So all of that goes into the big bowl. You know, Marianne's in the kitchen cooking, and she's got a bowl, and she's putting all kind of ingredients in there, hoping that when she finishes and puts it in the oven, when it comes out, it's going to be all nice and tidy and going to taste good. That's the way the United yeah. States used to operate. But now we know there's a lot of stuff going in, but we don't know everything that's going into the bowl and the last couple of times coming out of the uh, oven, the uh, the pat, uh, the pan of stuff doesn't look very tasty. And so we're not getting good results because of what's going in to the bowl yeah. to mix up. And it just seems like there's franticism. Everybody is moving at breakneck speed to get somewhere where the heck is everybody trying to go and why are they trying to take all of us with them without explaining anything? <laughs> it's a really interesting analogy you had there about the mixing bowl and uh, obviously throwing Marianne into the, into the picture, but let's take her out of the photo, out of the photograph. For wait a, a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The bowl that she's pitching stuff in right now, my friend is cinnamon rolls. Oh. <laughs> you all should right, be all here. Right, all right. Yeah, I wish I were. But but the but the point being is is you're exactly right. There are ingredients in that bowl now that should not be there. And that's the that is the key. I mean you that that's why your analogy was so important, is because what is being added to the recipe are those unsavory items, those things that should not be there, those things that don't work for us and don't make our country taste 
good. And that's what we're waking up to every day. It's not those wonderful cinnamon rolls. We're, wake, we're waking up to something that was not intended to be. And uh, unfortunately, when I say not intended, not intended by our founders, certainly not intended by the average workaday American, uh, those who want to go to work, accomplish their job, uh, do, do, uh, do what the boss needs and wants and, and excel there, come home for dinner, raise their children, go on vacation a couple times a year, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, be a part of their, you know, be a, a productive part of their community. That's not what's happening in America right now. And we see that just, just this, um, most recent protest event that happened two nights ago in DC. I mean, are you, you're familiar with that? Oh yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. All right. So, so they attacked one of the congressional buildings there. They were, um, uh, obviously confronted by U.S. Capitol Police. Dan, I was right across the street, and I had just left the, um, the courthouse, uh, the district courthouse. And I walk around the corner. There's this place called Hamilton's where I can grab a, a you know, a, a burger. And I had, I had been in the court all day, had not eaten, and I sat down, and this uh, group of Capitol Police walked in the front door. And they walk, they walk right up to where I was, and I looked at the at the Capitol Police, and I said, I said, hey guys, are you guys on duty? And they said, oh yeah, yeah, we're on duty. I said, oh dang it, I said I was going to buy you all a beer. And uh, and one of the one of the ladies, uh, female Capitol Police, she goes, oh I'll take the beer. And I said, <laughs> wait a minute, aren't you on aren't you on duty? She goes, yeah, yeah. She goes, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. And uh, and so we ended up talking, and sure enough. They had just walked over from this violent scenario. I mean, it was violent. It was it was as violent as you know January sixth, and and uh, they had just walked over from that. Almost like okay, yeah, we just you know we just did our job. No biggie, no biggie. <laughs> and that's that's what the world has come to right now. We'll put it's, that- it's like oh okay. Let's fight. Let's fight with some uh, uh, pro-Palestinian, uh, pro-Hamas, uh, uh, you know, uh, protesters, and then let's all go over and, and get takeout. The estimates <laughs> were that there were 150 people that uh, were involved in that. Very violent, as you said. Uh, five, I think, Capitol Police were injured. A couple of them had to be mm-hmm. taken to the hospital. Now contrast that one. That was quote unquote pro-Palestinian. Contrast that to the pro-Israeli <clears throat> rally that happened at the mall two days ago, yeah. maybe three days ago, yeah. whatever day it was, mm-hmm. where yeah. 290,000 people estimated were there. There was not yeah. one incident of violence. Nobody got out of hand. Nothing happened. Now, you would think... No, and, no, it, and, in fact, and in fact, the counter-protesters who were there, interesting, because I, I was there. It was it was right across the street from where uh, again I was in, in court for the last week and a half, and and so not only did I see that uh, uh, the night before, but I also saw the day before the, um, the pro-Israeli protest. But the counter protesters that were there were actual um, Jewish. Um, what do you call? It? Uh, not they're not pro-Hamas, but they're. They're anti-anti-Zionist Jews, and they were they were Orthodox. Yeah, and and they were the counter protesters, and 
they were totally peaceful. <laughs> but it was, it was there was as you said, there was nothing violent, nothing untoward whatsoever about that protest that day. Well, compare what you saw or what you got the remnants of that happened and, uh, you know, these people, these Capitol Police came over after they had worked in it. We had five cops that were injured, a couple of them pretty seriously. Mm -hmm. Compare that to the 290,000 that were there in support of Israel uh, at at the mall. Compare the results of both with this one thing. Look at what it would have been the pro-Israeli rally, if that had been on January 6th, comparably. Think about how much would still be going on today where the Department of Justice had facial recognition software. They were finding anybody and everybody that they could bring in and scare them to death and do whatever they've been doing to thousands of Americans that most of just wanted to go see our government work, a transition work on January 6th. And there was only one arrest coming out of the one that happened that you saw and those cops were coming back from when you saw them in that restaurant. Mm -hmm. Compare Mm -hmm. those and try to figure out what is going on in the law enforcement division of the Department of Justice under Joe Biden's administration. There is no way to legitimately compare those two events and those two events' results and what came out in the way of physical harm and arrest. One person arrested. One person arrested at the pro-Palestinian. Zero arrested with 290,000 people there. There's something Mm -hmm. purposeful that's happening in that regard. Yeah. Well, there was, I mean, first of all, the fact that there was only one arrest at the pro-Palestinian event is uh, telling in and of itself in that they don't want to arrest those individuals because there was a a whole lot more than just one person throwing themselves. If you had had, uh, five or six injured officers, that how many then were assaulted and that requires a larger number of people actually assaulting officers. And the fact that there was only one arrested at it tells you that this is, uh, this is, this is that two tiered, uh, system of justice that we continue to hear about. And, and it is, I mean, I've, I've been watching it with my own eyes all week in the, in the, uh, uh, district courthouse in DC. And it is, a two-tiered system of justice, and this is these protests are an example of that. You, if you if you go all the way back to, and I think we may have we may or may have uh, not referenced this before in the last couple of weeks, but in uh, January of 2017, January 20th, that was the inauguration day for President Trump, and the protests that night in D.C. were so violent. So many things were burned to the ground. So many cars were torched and turned over. So many people were injured that they made uh, hundreds of arrests. Uh, I, I don't remember the exact number, but let's let's round it off to around 400 arrests. And these people were, by and large, charged with violence, par- charged with property destruction. That nobody was charged that day for uh, parading or picketing or uh, uh, you know trespassing. Let's just so they, these were these were felony arrests that were made. And when those individuals 
went to court, the D.C. jury started finding them not guilty. Now, these are people that, you know, threw Molotov cocktails into automobiles, and they found them not guilty, or the juries were hung juries. And after they had something on the order, and this is not, uh, it, was, it was several dozen, but after they had several dozen of these acquittals and hung juries, the, the Department of Justice then dismissed the remainder of the nearly 300 cases that were left. They just, they just dismissed them and said, we can't win. Well, that's the same jury, Dan, that these January Sixers are facing. But what's the, what's the difference? What's the difference between the defendants in these January 6 cases and the defendants that torched the city on January 20th, 2017? I would think it would be a political perspective would be a bit different between those people. That's the, that is the only difference. Well, apart from the fact that the January Sixers didn't torch anything, they didn't set any fires, they didn't burn the building down. <clears throat> was there was there violence? Yes. Was there property uh, damage? Yes. Nowhere near at the level of January twentieth, two thousand seventeen. But nevertheless, those individuals had their cases. They were either acquitted, hung juries. And then the vast majority had their cases dropped because of the political difference and that two-tiered system that we're operating under right now. When by two tiers, we obviously, as you identified, we're talking about the political uh, chasm between the uh, between Americans right now, uh, between the left and the right as, as we identify it. And that's what is happening. Um, it's, it's an ongoing problem. It, it's happening uh, you, you opened uh, our, our discussion today with asking me what was going on in the world. Well, that's what we're looking at. There is a, uh, <laughs> I, I, I always think of John Edwards, the vice presidential candidate uh, that, that ran with uh, Al Gore, you know, 23 years ago. Um, and uh, he was, of course, the senator here from North Carolina. And he, ta- he, he used to talk about, he campaigned on two Americas. And now he identified two Americas as the haves and the have-nots, as the people that were uh, favored um, by society and those who weren't favored by society. But the reality is, is we are in a situation right now where we have two Americas. And depending upon who you are and how you vote, how you think, the words you say, those uh, that that's determining which America you live in right now. And unfortunately, the other America from you and me, Dan, is uh, is the one that is changing America and adding to that recipe bowl those unsavory agree- uh, ingredients. I've got two topics I want to get to before we end this segment. And the first one, I didn't speak to you about this yesterday. We didn't have time. You were uh, with a friend when we spoke last night. But um, it's it's critical, and it came to light in the last couple of days. I'm talking about the Osama bin Laden letter to America. Have mm-hmm. you read that letter? Have you seen it? 
I, I have not read it, but uh, when I was driving back from <laughs> DC, was a uh, let's just say, you know, it's it's never a fun drive between <laughs> Raleigh, North Carolina, and Washington D.C. All things being normal in most parts of the country, it's about a four-hour and fifteen-minute drive. I left at nine thirty in the morning yesterday. I got home at seven p.m. Why? What was going on? Uh, there were accidents, traffic jams that that were so bad that I just pulled over on the side of the road and just sat there. My goodness. Sat, I, now, of course, you, you know, I can work anywhere. Well, yeah. And so I just, I just pulled, I, there's just no sense in sitting on that. So I just pull off to the side of the road, uh, and, uh, light a cigar <laughs> and, and, and just work. And, and there's, I, I've gotten to the point where I don't stress over that as much anymore. Well, that's, but, you know, that's because you're, I didn't, I didn't, that, that's because you're old now. <laughs> well, it's because I didn't, I didn't have a deadline. I didn't have an appointment I had to make yesterday. So it's just like, okay, well, uh, because of technology, I can work from anywhere. So I could pull off to a, a rest stop and grab a picnic table and hotspot my computer from my phone and, and, uh, write an article, whatever I need to do. But it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not as, it's not as stressful when you don't have a, uh, a deadline. But the, uh, the point being is, is that, so in my drive yesterday, I didn't have a chance to read that, but I did listen as I was listening to you know, uh, podcasts and talk radio, that sort of thing. And I definitely heard the story about that. We, uh, we had the details on there. And actually what I did was I read the whole thing live on the air just a little bit ago. Do you have a copy of that letter or shall I send you one? Oh, uh, definitely. Please send me. Okay. I'll do yeah, it. But the thing I wanted to jump to in conversation was this TikTok influencer, this young African American girl, and they had to TikTok had to pull it down. There were over two point two million dollar comments, a million dollars, two point two million people <laughs> that were commenting on it. And the people that were commenting, you gotta remember the demographic we're talking about. Most of those people, most TikTokers won't even are alive back in uh, when 9-11 happened. And Osama right. bin Laden was just a name. But she yeah. came on. It had to be purposeful. It had to be a setup. But she came on basically, and she struck a match, and she lit all of the circumstances that we're seeing playing out today around the world that young people are watching happen. The Palestinian-Israeli thing. Also, what's going on in Iran and other countries and what's happening in the United States and the whole context of what this girl did is demeaning, diminishing democracy in the United States. Yeah. And it was all this. Now I understand. I understand yeah. why things are happening, why people aren't being treated fairly and equally while people are struggling for food and other people are getting richer and richer. It was to divide us even more so than we are now. That just kind of fuels the fire. And I think it's on a, only going to keep growing. I don't see any end to it in sight myself. And she, and she said that. She said, now I understand. But who was she getting her lesson from? And why was she believing the teacher? 
and and of course we're obviously we're talking about Osama bin Laden. Yeah. And and this is that's the frightening part, Dan. And this goes this goes right back to that uh, that those ingredients in that bowl. And when we saw how easily, how quickly Americans laid down, bent the knee uh, is another way of putting it to the COVID regime, both local, your state, federal dictates that were put on us. And, and we don't need to, we don't need to uh, uh, go back and revisit all of those individual circumstances that we were, you know, the, uh, the, the individual tyrannies that we were facing at the time. But so when I saw that, it frightened me uh, to a level I'd never been uh, worried about our country before, never been scared for our future before to that level. When I saw how quickly Americans were willing to give up their individual liberties for a degree or a perception or a, um, a false sense of safety. And when I saw that happen and I went, Oh, my Lord, we are in trouble. But this video that you're talking about, this TikTok video that you're talking about, that also is a, another sign of another level of the decline of our culture, the, the decline of our, our country, because this is a sign of what these children, because as you said, she probably wasn't even born on 9-11. But this is what this is what this is what they have been brought up in. This is what they. I mean, goodness gracious, Dan. When you and I were 17, 19, 21 years old, growing up in Louisiana, uh, our value system compared to the way children's value systems are today, those 17, 19, 21 year olds today, that that is a TikTok culture, and that's what they're learning, and that's what they're seeing, and that's why they can take the words of a mass terrorist, a mass murderous killer, and literally a man who has been raised, who has been educated, who has every aspect of his life defined by a theology that wants the rest of the world to, you can only convert to his way of thinking, or you must be destroyed. You must be killed. And she took his words as gospel, essentially. Yes. This is what I now, I now understand what's wrong with my country. Well, to make matters worse, yesterday, West Virginia U.S. Senator Joe Manchin made the circuit <laughs> about the 2024 election. And... Um, I listened to, he was on with Brett Baer, Fox News, for quite a while. I listened to a piece of that, and then I listened to him at another news outlet. And he gave two different perspectives, almost diametrically opposed to each other, depending upon which place he was at the time, who was covering this conversation. And it was totally different with Brett Baer than it was with MSNBC. Of course, at MSNBC, you've got to dumb everything down so that the people that are questioning you can understand because they're not all really there. MSNBC is where you go when you can't get a media job somewhere else. And so 
Manchin, he began to talk about why he is considering a non-political party run for the presidency, and he made this statement. We can't have Donald Trump as president again. He will destroy democracy. Now, would you explain to me, we're hearing this over and over now, they're blaming Donald Trump for attempting to and wanting to destroy democracy when everything he did in his four years was the exact opposite of that. Joe Biden gets elected president. Everything he does is to destroy our democracy, every institution, (laughs) top to bottom. And I don't think Joe Manchin is a bad guy. I think he made a mistake when he refused to switch from Democrat to Republican several years ago when he had a chance. He was disagreeing all the time with his fellow Democrats, and they began to hate him. And finally, he's lost. He can't win an election in Pennsylvania. And then we find out yesterday that if he even considers a run for the presidency, he's lost the ability to legally be put on the election slates in multiple states because the time has expired to get your name on a ballot for 2024. What is going on with somebody like Joe Manchin, and why are they maintaining this attack that is false from top to bottom on Donald Trump and, quote-unquote, destroying democracy? They uh, certainly are referring to what happened on January 6th. And by the way, that trial is coming up um, and uh, the, all of the preliminary back and forth is happening uh, legally between Trump's defense team and, and, of course, the government. I'm very much involved and closely watching that particular trial. Now, obviously, Trump is facing legal jeopardy in multiple trials. But um, the one in January, uh, the one in D.C. is the one specifically rated, related to January 6th because he is accused of inciting the insurrection. And he was uh, the, the one who ordered people to storm the Capitol, according to that. And so, therefore, as a result of that, he is the de facto threat to our, quote unquote, democracy. And and uh, look. When it comes to characters like Joe Manchin, you, you and I have had this discussion before, Dan. I don't care. I don't listen to the words of any politician until I do one thing. If they've already been in office for any period of time, like Joe Manchin has, the first thing that I do is I go and I look up on my phone, on my computer, I go and I look up their liberty scores. I go and I look up their um, uh all the the various think tanks that track the voting records of these um, uh, Washingtonian, you know, politicos, and then score them based on their voting record. So when Manchin started this whole thing about being a moderate and that he could bring the country together because more people were in that, you know, that the so-called middle in terms of their political philosophy and the way they want to live their life and the way they want to vote, and that he felt he could be the one that could resonate with that that uh, vast majority in the middle. I just went and looked at his voting score. And what do you think it is, Dan? I think... He's not a moderate. No, I, I, I think that's a, 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 
of a fake stance where very few people do that, go look at voting records like you do and like I do. Um, prime example, Kevin McCarthy, former House Speaker, California. He's one of the most liberal voters and is the most liberal voter among uh, Republicans in the House of Representatives. But they don't want and don't think people are going to go to the trouble to look up and see what they've done. They want us, and they believe they can say whatever they want to say, and we'll just buy in hook, line, and sinker. I bet you Manchin well, falls in do. that category. Well, the, the Manchin, there, there's nothing moderate about him. He has an 18% ranking uh, from the uh, conservative review, and he has – uh, so 18%, let's just call it what it is. That means he votes with the Democrats um, 82% of the time. Now, by contrast, you brought up McCarthy. McCarthy has only a 52% ranking, which means he votes with the Democrats 48% of the time. As House Speaker. And as House Speaker and made, and Republicans made him the Speaker of the House leader, the de facto leader of their party. Yeah. And, and, and of course the, the speaker of the house being third in line from the presidency constitutionally. And so this particular situation, when we hear the words coming out of their mouth, the truth of the truth of the matter is when you start talking about moderates versus left and right, uh, there are no moderate, there are no moderate Democrats, period. They're, they don't. They do not exist. You will not find a single Democrat with a near plus or minus a couple of points, fifty percent voting record. Does it does not exist? They all are in the single digits or the low teens for the most part. And that's all of them: senators, House of Representatives across the board. The only moderates are. In the Republican Party, there's those are the McCarthy's, the Senator Graham's of the world, those types of individuals that vote roughly half the time with the other side. Well, that would be technically, that would be um, uh, mathematically who the actual moderates are. But even those are characterized by the press as extreme right-wing radicals. And... That's how that's how deceived we are, and that dovetails right back into this girl and her TikTok video, who has now under now understands how the world works and <laughs> understands what's wrong with America and, and understands her life because of a sermon from Osama bin Laden. <laughs> didn't even mention she didn't even mention the fact that you know with one just failed swoop, he killed twenty nine hundred Americans, or. Yeah. He didn't exactly. pull the trigger, but those on his watch at his behest did that. That's kind of hard to overcome and try to give anybody that did that credence yeah. and even talk about, now I understand. I read his letter. I know what's really going on. Wow. <laughs> hey, buddy, listen, I thank you for giving us the end of your week to come back here. It's always great to have you. And when you're not here, which you're here almost every Tuesday, thankfully, um, I get phone calls and texts. Where's Steve? Is he okay? Everybody uh -oh. wants uh -oh. to know if you've been arrested. <laughs> <laughs> well, well there, there's so there's so much going on right now, Ben. Uh, 
being arrested is actually the least of my concerns. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> oh my god. I, I, I have. Uh, I mean, you know, when you're when you're walking down the streets of D.C. and you're you're constantly having to look over your shoulder to see who's following you for what purpose, <laughs> what reason. Uh, it's a different life. I mentioned I mentioned a little while ago. First time I told people you were coming this morning. Our get-togethers that we have, and for months in the heat of the January 6th stuff and the FBI coming after you or threatening all the time. We joked about it. I'd look over at the IP addresses on the people that were logging in and being there live. And for weeks and weeks, there were two every Tuesday that were logging in from Langley, Virginia. And we laughed about it right. because there's only one thing in Langley. That's a CIA. <laughs> so I and did. There was only one person. There was only one reason for them to log in. <laughs> you, yeah. They, they, I haven't done anything CIA related. You're the one that's doing that stuff with all those overseas video licensing and the millions you got from doing that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, listen, thanks again for being here. You have a great weekend. Are you going to be in town in a few days? Are you going back to D.C. or maybe coming to Dallas? Uh, I'm, I'm actually, um, uh, soon as I, you know, get a load of laundry done, <laughs> I take a couple days to, uh, repack and reorganize. Uh, I'm headed down to Florida. I'm going to spend, uh, uh, Thanksgiving with one of my sisters. Both my sisters live in Florida, different parts of Florida, but I'm going to spend Thanksgiving with one of my sisters. And then I'm headed to Tallahassee because I'm meeting with the, uh, Florida attorney general, uh, on the 28th. Uh, right at the end of the week, uh, a few days after Thanksgiving. And the purpose of that meeting is specifically related to the work I've been doing in D.C., uh, specifically related to January 6th, because more Floridians have been jammed up by the Department of Justice, and more specifically these stories that I've been working on about the uh, United States Capitol Police officers who have perjured themselves in trial have affected the freedom and liberties of more Floridians than any other state. And this has finally gotten on the radar screen of uh, not only Governor DeSantis, but also uh, the state attorney general. Well, that sounds like it's going to be a very interesting trip. If you need to, we'll give you a day off on Tuesday. If you need to. I, I think I, I think I'm going to be good this Tuesday. Uh, <laughs> if I, you don't fact, get arrested. I, 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 right, right, right. In fact, even though I'm not on my my you know my uh, studio gear right now, um, I am taking my portable studio on the road on this particular <laughs> trip, um, and so I, I think I'll be uh, I think you'll hear my my deep uh, resonant <laughs> voice on uh, next Tuesday. Drive carefully, my friend, and if anything happens, you need to check in with us. Feel free to do so, and if you need anything from us here at TNN Live, just give me a holler. Will do. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, man. Steve Baker from North Carolina today. Where will he be Tuesday? We really don't know, but we thank him for being our correspondent. He sees things and knows things that a lot of people, most people, I would say 99 and 9 tenths percent of people in America don't have access to. So we're blessed to have him here. I've got some illegal immigration data that you're not going to believe. Sit tight, that's next. It's movie season. We count down your favorite movie classics, including When Harry Met the Bathroom, Close Encounters of the Third Bathroom, 
A river runs through the bathroom. For someone suffering with sucrose intolerance, a favorite movie often ends in the bathroom. If you're experiencing chronic diarrhea, gas, stomach pain, and bloating, remember, sucrose intolerance, or CSID, can be diagnosed by your doctor with the aid of a sucrose breath test. Visit sucroseintolerance.com. Walls are barriers. They divide, separate, segregate. We've seen walls before. They always fall. You're juvenile, mate. Everyone has one. The guy that's fun to be around, but he's dangerous to be around. You've got to keep him away from your things, like your tools, your gadgets, and your girlfriend. So before you get your juvenile mate around, get your lips around a Dare Ice Coffee. The real Arabica and Robusta Coffee Kick will tell you what to do. Hire a jumping castle. Hours of fun for kids of all ages. A Dare Ice Coffee Fix will fix it. When playing football, you run up to 120 pitches. You work out 650 muscles. You withstand three times your body weight. You treble your adrenaline production. You raise your heartbeat to 180 times per minute. And in the end, you lose up to three liters of sweat for one goal. This game is not a game. Gatorade works with no artificial colors or sweeteners. responsibilities at least for a day or two and that just kind of goes with it as always we're very thankful for steve baker by the way when you're praying think about him and say a prayer for him he is in the line of fire no question about it and this administration people in the department of justice would like to shut him up and he and i joke about it the cia listening in and stuff like that That's really nothing to joke about when you consider what's at stake there. So just remember to say a prayer for him. More than 775,000 illegal border crossers in Arizona in fiscal year 2023. Almost a million. Think about that. Now that number, 775,000, it includes 576,000 apprehensions that were officially reported by Border Patrol and at least 198,000 gotaways reported by Border Patrol alone. That doesn't include some of the other law enforcement agencies that stopped some of these illegals. That's just 
the federal numbers. Now, remember this. Arizona has a 378-mile border with Mexico. 378 miles long. I didn't realize it was that long. And it's divided into two Border Patrol sectors, Tucson and Yuma. Tucson sector is 262 border miles. It extends from the Yuma County line to the Arizona-New Mexico state line. Yuma sector is nearly 182,000 square miles of principally desert terrain. It extends from Imperial Sand Dunes in California to the Yuma-Pima County line. Tucson sector reported the third highest number of illegal entries along the southwest border behind the top two sectors of El Paso and Del Rio in Texas. Tucson Border Patrol agents apprehended 373,000 people, reported at least 185,000 gotaways. That's nearly half as many as who are apprehended, or 49%. Just listen to those numbers and think about that. Do you realize that Joe Biden has almost single-handedly changed the face of the United States of America. How? By turning his back on enforcing federal immigration laws. And think about the millions of Americans' lives who have been changed by this. You just can't put that in a bottle and stick it away somewhere and forget about it. It's front and center when you talk about so much criminality. Criminality for just coming here, criminality from where they came, criminality that they commit when they get here, besides coming in illegally. How do you reconcile that? In other words, Joe Biden, how do you sleep at night? Maybe he doesn't know that it's nighttime. I I, I could not in any way somehow even try to reconcile in my heart and my mind breaking so many laws and letting so much illegal activity and every type of criminal violation all the way from the top first-degree murder all the way down to simple burglary. Hundreds of thousands, if not millions of those kind of acts are happening to Americans Because our president refuses to enforce the rule of law. One thing only. Just think about this. Since Joe Biden has been president, 300,000 young Americans, 300,000 have died at the hands of fentanyl poisoning that came with those illegals across our southern border because Joe Biden refuses to stop it. Now, the last time I heard someone get in his face about it, he said, hey, we're pointing these people now. We get them to come to the official ports of entry. We use that app where they can make an appointment. And then when they come here, they meet their appointment. They're not going to be thrown in jail. So that's how people are doing it. And they search everybody that comes across the border. That's what they say to justify what's going on. You know what? That's a bald-faced lie. Do you know that less than 25% of the vehicles that come across the border at the southern border from Mexico, less than a quarter of those cars are actually searched? Now, why is that? The volume of cars are too vast to search 
every one of them. They'd never get people done getting them into where they're going. Quite honestly, for me, that'd be a good thing. I'd rather them not let anybody in. Why? Because that's what the law says. Why can't we just abide by the law? I never have been able to reconcile that in my mind. Who gives somebody the right to make those decisions? Just because Joe Biden's a president, it should mean a 180 degrees from that. He shouldn't even think about letting criminality continue. The number one thing he tells us all the time, his job is to keep Americans safe. How is letting them come across the border willy-nilly, how's that going to keep anybody safe? I'll never get around this. I'll never be able to justify it in any way. Other stuff going on, Donald Trump. There are so many moving parts to this. Listen to the latest. Welcome back. Former President Trump's legal team filing a motion for a mistrial in the $250 million New York civil fraud case. The team released a 30-page motion which slammed Judge Engeron as, quote, biased, accusing him of engaging in extrajudicial activities and co-judging with a law clerk who was involved with public partisan activities. This motion reads, quote, there can be no doubt of the public perception of bias in this case. Only the grant of a mistrial can salvage what is left of the rule of law. Joining me right now is legal spokeswoman for Donald Trump, Alina Haba. Alina, thanks very much for being here today. Thank you for having me. And we spoke on Sunday and you said, yes, we are going to file for a mistrial and you've done just that. I know you have a gag order. The president has a gag order, so you can't say much about this, but what can you tell us of what's behind this mistrial motion? Well, I can speak to the court. I can speak to the rules that need to be followed that have been broken. Generally speaking, you cannot have the appearance of bias. You cannot have... um, There's rules about political contributions. There's rules about doing things that show a bias towards someone. I can speak to what the judge has done, which is putting things into the Wheatley alumni newspaper that he is an editor of. There's articles about me. There's articles about Eric Trump. There's articles about the case while the case is pending. Wow. Um, There are things you're just not allowed to do because the American public has to believe that when they go to court, they're going to get a fair trial no matter what their personal beliefs are. Obviously, I have my personal beliefs. But if I were a judge, I'm not allowed to bring those in. You're supposed to allow, you're supposed to look at law to fact. And there's a lot of evidence there, some of which I can't speak about, some of which I can, but I encourage everybody to read the papers. In in fact, in the papers, there's a video of the clerk uh, talking about uh, Letitia James chanting in terms of, you know, Trump is going to go down. What what, what specifically is she chanting? So that's the one part of my gag order that I obviously cannot speak to. I think, let me just speak about the gag order for a minute. The fact that I can't uh, speak about it is so crazy in and of itself. I'm an attorney, I'm an advocate, and I'm a spokeswoman. So the president's attorney and spokeswoman cannot speak about things that I see that are inappropriate because I've been gagged. Um, My gag is limited to that item. So unfortunately, all I can say is I encourage you to go look at the papers and um, and it'll speak for itself. Because the clerk is actually chanting. And And you have reported in the past that the clerk had donated lots of money. 
Yeah, that's uh, been reported. To, to, to Democrats. That's been reported. Yeah. Alina, let me get your take on what Hunter Biden is saying now, because Hunter Biden's lawyer is calling for a federal judge to subpoena former President Trump. Sure. Uh, Hunter Biden says he wants a subpoena of Trump for testimony in his criminal gun case. In a letter to the judge, attorney Abby Lowell writes this. Mr. Trump has made a plethora of concerning public statements calling for an investigation or possible prosecution of Mr. Biden, both while in office and since leaving. Mm hmm. Is President Trump expecting a subpoena from Hunter Biden? <laughs> you know, if they're going to put my client on the stand, and I have heard this, if they're going to put my client on the stand to discuss Hunter Biden, I well, go ahead. Go ahead. You know, obviously, it's ridiculous. They're trying to intimidate and trying to say, if you're going to attack our kid, we're going to put you on the stand for what? Saying things that we've seen pictures of, checks that have come from the CCP, drugs, videos, hookers. I mean, I'm not really sure what their angle is there, but I would advise him to get new counsel. Well, it's just to make some more noise and try somehow to give Hunter Biden a breath of fresh air and a belief that somehow he's going to get out of the deal, whatever he is facing, because he's facing a lot. Hey, thanks for joining us today, being here every week. Thank you so much. It's a little bit funny, this feeling inside. I'm not one of those who can easily hide. I don't have much money, but... Boy, if I did, I'd buy a big house where we both could live. If I was a sculptor, but then again, no, or a man who makes potions in a traveling show, I no, it's not much, but it's the best I can do. My gift is my song, and this one's for you. And you can tell everybody this is your song. It may be quite simple, but now that it's done. I hope you don't mind, I hope you don't mind That I put down in the words How wonderful life is While you're in the world I sat on Top the moss, well, a few of the verses, well, they've got me quite cross, but the sun's been quite kind while I wrote this song. It's for people like you that keep it turned on. So, excuse me for getting. These things I do You see I've forgotten If they're green Or they're blue Anyway The thing is 
what I really need Yours are the sweetest guys I've ever seen And you can tell everybody This is the song It may be quite simple but Now that it's done I hope you don't mind, I hope you don't mind That I put down in the words How wonderful life is While you're in the world I hope you don't mind, I hope you don't mind That I put down in the words How wonderful Yo. Oh. 